I want you to imagine your dream automobile. I, I don't know what that might be for you. Uh, maybe that is uh, some sort of SUV, or maybe that's a truck, or maybe that's some sort of sports car, or like my daughter, it's a Vespa. Uh, I, I don't know what your favorite or dream vehicle would be. Mine is a, a, a Porsche Boxster, uh, a Porsche Boxster that would be a convertible, and uh, that's my dream car. So imagine you, you on your birthday, someone gives to you that dream car, whatever it is, whatever dream car it is that, that you're thinking of right now, just imagine somebody decides to give you that as a gift and they, they bring it to you and they, they, they give it to you, they hand over the keys to you and they're like, here it is, have at it. And in, in the process of all of your excitement and, and just, you know, maybe overwhelmed by the gift and just wondering what, you know, how, how is this possible? An idea comes across your mind that, that you're going to take this gift that's been given to you and you're going to do something with it. And you've got this in your mind and you're thinking about it and, and you've decided to, to, to do something. And so you go to the garage and, or maybe to the store if you don't have these things at home, which likely you don't, but so you got to go to the store and, and you go to the store and you buy bags of dirt and maybe bags of peat moss and and other things and you buy flowers and and you head back home and you're looking at this beautiful gift that that you have and you decide to take it and start filling it up with the dirt and with the peat moss and you you start planting the flowers in it and you're like, you step back away from me and you're like, wow, what an incredible flower box I've just created. And you're so excited about it. You're so happy about it. You're so proud of what you've done that you actually call the person who gave you your dream vehicle and you're like, hey, you got to come see what I did with it. You got to come see what I did. I, I, I've done something amazing with what you've given me, and, and, I, and, and you got to come see it. And, and they come over to your house, and, and they see it, and you're like, check it out. It, it, it's, it's the most incredible flower box ever. This thing is amazing. It's incredible, isn't it? And your friend is like, looks dumbfounded. They're, just, they're confused. They're like, what did you, what did you do with this? Do you not know what you have? Do you not know what this can do? Do you not know what it is that I gave to you? And, and, and you're like, yeah, it's a flower box in the shape of a Porsche. Thank you. And they're like, no, 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 no. Hey, do you have a vacuum? Do you, do you have some washcloths and some water, maybe some armor all? Can you, can you get those things for me? And they, you go and you get those things and you bring them out and your friend, family member, whoever it is that gave you this, starts to clean out this gift that they gave you and, and, and they wash it all out and they armor all the whole thing. And then they're like, hey, those, those keys that I gave to you, 
give them to me. And you give them the keys and, and they open up a door and, and they tell you, get in. And you get into the passenger seat and they get in the driver's seat and they stick the key in the ignition and they turn the key and the motor starts to rev and they're like, okay, I'm going to show you what this thing is that you've got here and what this thing can do. Sit back and let's go. And you sit in the passenger seat, your friend is in the driver's seat and they take you out on the road and wind is wisping through your hair. The radio's turned up. The hum of the engine is just amazing. And you're blown away by what you thought was a flower box in the shape of whatever dream vehicle you have. I say all that because that's the world we live in. That, that picture is the picture of the world that we live in. Every single human being has been given a wonderful gift. It's called life. But for many, many people, many, many individuals, they have no idea what to do with this thing called life. And they're trying to fill their life with all kinds of things. And, and they're striving to do something with their life. They're striving to be something with their life. They're striving to fill their life. And, and the problem is, is that like we talked about last week in, in Romans chapter six, that every person has a problem. And that problem is, starts with S and ends with N. Sin. Sin is a problem that all of us have. And for the wages, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is Death. Every single one of us have this problem, a problem of sin, and sin has a wage. Sin needs a payment, and that payment is death. And the problem is, is that sin separates us from God. It separates us from God. We see it all the way back to the beginning in, in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, and they sinned against God, and God kicked them out of the garden and they no longer were able, their relationship was, was torn apart from God. But thank God the verse doesn't end there. It doesn't end with for the wages of sin is death. And then that's it. There's not a period at the end of death. And the beauty of that verse says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So, so, so we have this problem God has a solution. And on, on, over on this side is, man, that's, that's where we're at. You and I have this problem of, of sin, and, it, and its payment is death. Its wage is death. But God was not satisfied with that. He wants to be in relationship with his creation, and he longs to be in relationship with you and I as, as human beings. He created us in his image, and so he provided a solution, and a solution is a gift. And it's a gift that God has given, and it's a gift of eternal life. Not eternal death, eternal life. 
And he wants to be in relationship with us, but there's this chasm that's between us and there's nothing that you and I can do on this side of our problem. There's nothing that we can do to try to get across that chasm. Oh, we try. And that's what so many people are doing today. They're, they're trying to fill the void of that chasm in their life and, and they're, stri- they're striving and, and they're taking a beautiful gift of life, a beautiful gift of whatever Porsche or whatever car you thought of, and they're making it into a flower box. And that's not what God wants. That's not what God desires. God desires to be in relationship with us. God desires to give us eternal life, but it, it's not through, we can't earn that. We, do, we don't deserve that. We, we're separated from God because of sin. God, in his awesome power and God in his ability to know all things and see all things in the beginning from the end, because he's the alpha and the omega. He provided a bridge. The verse in Romans 6, 23 says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And get this. It's through, through someone. It's not, it's not through me. It's not through you. It's not through your favorite pastor or favorite missionary or favorite speaker or favorite author or favorite anything. It's, it's through, the Bible says, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so God provided a bridge. That bridge is Jesus. And the beauty of what God has done in, in giving us that bridge and giving us Jesus is that he calls you and I to be a part of telling other people that good news, that awesome news of that God has a solution. Yes, you have a problem, but God has a solution, and that solution is Jesus, and you and I get to play a part in that. We talked about this in detail last week. So I encourage you to go back and watch it. We're called to be, we're called to build bridges. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called to be ones who would go and tell the good news of Jesus. And in Romans chapter 10, we read that because how can they know in whom they've not believed and how can they believe in whom they've never heard and how can they hear without someone telling them and how can someone tell them unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim, who speak, who share good news. You know what's interesting is? Is as Paul is writing that, he's actually quoting the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet to the people of God. And in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, here's what Isaiah writes by inspiration of God through the Holy Spirit. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Huh. Sounds like what we just read. But he goes on, he says, who publishes peace. Who brings good news of happiness. Who publishes salvation who says to Zion, your God reigns. Isaiah writes that 
again, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inspiration of God, he writes that to his, the people of God who get this are in exile in Babylon. They've been taken captive. They've been thrust into a culture and into a, a nation and into a, 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 a wicked, wicked, pagan culture that is anti-God, that, that is, it is all about worshiping the creation rather than the creator. They're all about worshiping animals and figures and, and idols and other people. And they set even up their king to be as God and they worship them. And what ends up happening is the people of God are made to be servants of Babylon. And it's dark and it's evil and it's hard it's almost nearly impossible. And Isaiah is writing to the people of God while they're taken captive and they're exiled in Babylon. It's about the same time as, well, we know individuals that are also exiled in Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. All of these and more have been taken captive by Babylon. Why? Because God allowed them to be taken captive. And here's the reason why. Because they chose not to obey God. See, that call on my life and your life to be messengers of salvation, messengers of good news, messengers of uh, of of God's peace of Jesus was what really was the mission of God's people all the way back in Genesis. When he, when he made a covenant with Abraham and when he made a covenant with these people who he would, he would say of them, they will be a light to the nations. They will be a blessing to all families on the earth. They will be the ones who will point other people to me. They will be the ones who point individuals to what it means to be in relationship with God, what it means to be obedient to God, what it means to trust in God. And the people said, no, no. And they didn't trust God. And they decided to start worshiping the idols that were around them by other cultures, by other people. And they were willing to say no to God and yes to sin. And God said, enough's enough. And he allowed them to be taken into captivity, into exile in Babylon. The days we're getting darker. And I don't mean in the essence of lack of sun. I mean in evil, sin, wickedness, more and more difficult. And the people were struggling. God's desire was that they would turn back to him. And Isaiah, in Isaiah 52, verse 7, he's declaring good news. He's publishing peace. 
He's giving them news of happiness and salvation. And he's saying things are going to change. God is coming and he's going to get us out of exile and he is going to set all things right. And he is going to do great things with us again. And so Isaiah is saying, this is going to happen. It's in the future. You know, what's interesting is, is that like the people of God, we find ourselves as the people of God today in a culture that seems to be getting more, not just seems to be, it is getting more and more away from God. And unfortunately, the sad part is, is that more and more children of God are doing the exact same things. So Isaiah and his challenge to the people of God is a challenge to you and I as the people of God today to turn back to him, to be proclaimers of peace, to be publishers of peace, to be ones who bring good news, to be ones who bring news of happiness, who ones who publish salvation, ones who say to the people, God reigns. He's in charge. And the reality is, is that what we know is that the end is coming and that Jesus is coming again and that he is going to set all things right again. He is going to make all things new. He is going to, he is going to make things and reconcile creation to God and, and the beauty of what he's going to do. And we, uh, we know that we've read that we see that in the word of God. And we realize that what's happening in our world today is all part of God's plan, all part of what God is doing in order to bring people to himself. And you and I, as God's people are called to live amongst that, just as the people of God did in Isaiah's day. You and I are called to do that today. How do we do that? You know, what's interesting is there's another prophet. His name's Jeremiah around the exact same time as Isaiah prophesying to the people of God and in and, and Isaiah and actually Isaiah and Jeremiah, they, they were, they were prophesying to, and they were telling messages of God to the people of God and, and Jeremiah and Jeremiah chapter 29. So if you have your Bible turn there in Jeremiah 29, he tells them some very specific things that they are to do. And starting in verse 4, he says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You hear that? He sent them into exile. But here's what he tells them. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives, have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. And here, listen to this verse. But seek the welfare the peace, the prosperity, other versions of, of the Bible t- say this, and actually the, those words are interchangeable with each other, welfare, peace, prosperity of the city where I've sent you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, its peace, its prosperity, you will find your welfare. What's the message? Seek 
the welfare, seek the peace, seek the prosperity of the city. He's not talking about the buildings. He's not talking about the structures. He's talking about the people. Seek the welfare of the people. Seek the peace of the people. Seek the prosperity of the people. And what's interesting is, is as you study this word, this word welfare, this word peace, the idea of it is, is really threefold. And, and, and then he throws in a fourth thing on it, and it's such a beautiful picture. But the picture is of physical health, of friendship, of peace, which is the absence of strife. So it's almost as if he's saying that the individuals around them, their physical health matters. Friendships matter. Relationships matter. Mental health, their, their, their lack of strife, their lack of, of fighting amongst one another. So, so it's, it's, we got physical, we got friendships, we got mental health. And then he throws on it a fourth thing. He says, pray for the city. Pray for the people. There's a spiritual need in this city. There's a spiritual need among these people. So not only do you seek the physical and try to meet the physical needs that are around you, not only do you develop relationships with individuals that are around you and build into the lives of others around you, not only are you seeking the mental health or the peace of individuals around you, but pray because they have a spiritual need. Pray for them. Lift them up before God Almighty. And what I believe what he is saying, simply as we have been talking about this over the last couple weeks and really over the last several weeks with going through the Beatitudes and then even talking about Christ coming, all of this is about building bridges, about proclaiming that God has sent a bridge and and you and I as bridge builders get to be a part of connecting our community to Christ. Because so many in our community do not know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior and they don't even know how to go about it. So what do we, we have like the people of God had in Jeremiah. And again, we've got to be careful not to take these things and go, well, these are promises that God, yes, he made them to Israel and they're not necessarily for us, but the principles are there and we can apply them to our lives that we should seek the physical health, the friendship, the mental health of others around us. And we should pray for the city, meet the spiritual need, be an individual who is building a bridge to the community, to connect them to God, connect them to God through Christ. Say, how? How can I do that? How can I be a bridge builder? How can I seek the welfare, seek the peace of the city in which we're in? How How can I do that? Well, here's some things to think about. Number one is, is you need to not get trapped in the, I have to do this. It's not a have to. It's a, I get to. 
I get to be a bridge builder. I get to help our community connect to Jesus Christ. I get to play a part in what God's story is for the Sock Valley area. Don't look at it as I have to. Look at it as I get to. And then, just like Jeremiah talking to the people, look around you. There are needs everywhere. There are people everywhere. There are individuals that oftentimes go overlooked or, or they're, they're ostracized from, from community or whatever it is. Just look around you and open your eyes to the reality of the needs of people around you. So open up your eyes. Look around. See the needs. Number three. And, and this is really specific, but the reason I say this is because it can, it can get so overwhelming looking at all the needs. So, so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Decide to do one thing and do it well for the glory of God. Decide to do one thing and do it well for the glory of God. And if God leads you to do more, then do more. But do one thing and do it really well for the glory of God. What are some examples of that? Well, maybe you're in a life group. And maybe your life group is situated right next to a school or next to a, a social organization or right ne- next to a, a, a neighborhood. or I, I don't know where your life group might be situated, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. Decide to take on a community event. Decide to take on a school and say, you know what, we're going to pray for that school. We're going to pray for those teachers. We're going to pray for the administrators. We're going to pray for the kids. We're going to pray for the parents that are represented there. We're, We're going to do things to serve that school. We're going to do things to serve that organization. We're going to do things. We're going to look for ways and we're going to, you know, maybe have a conversation with the principal and say, hey, we're a group that just wants to show love and we just want to be compassionate and help and what are ways that we can help? What are things that we can do? So maybe in your life group, decide. Decide on one thing and do it. And do it well for the glory of God. Think about it. Go and serve. Seek the peace. Seek the welfare. Pray on its behalf, go for it, serve and see what happens. And here's what I know is that when you serve, God uses it to fill you up. Don't make this complex. Number five, what are areas that you're already involved in, that your family's already involved in? Maybe it's a school, maybe it's sports, maybe it's through the arts, maybe it's some other type of thing that you're involved in. Ask God to guide you in that. Listen, you don't have to recreate the wheel, but ask God to realign the wheel. Ask God to rebalance the wheel. You don't got to recreate the wheel. Look for areas you're already involved in and seek the peace, seek God, and let him use you in relationship to whatever it is. And then lastly, pray. 
Pray. Pray for the people. Pray for those individuals. Pray for people. One thing that that when my daughters were young, they would hear a siren and they would say, Daddy, we need to pray. Let's stop and pray for that person. Let's stop and pray for that, for those firefighters and for those police officers. And let's stop and pray for those first responders. And let's just stop and pray. And that was such a slap in the face to me. Why didn't I think of that? Why wasn't I the one that thought about that? No, my kids thought about that. Praise God for that. Pray. Stop and just pray. I remember I had the opportunity to go to a communist country where preaching the word of God was illegal, where, where things you could not do certain things. But this, these churches that were, they were underground churches, they were hidden churches, they, but they were right, hidden right in plain sight. They were right in the midst of people. The, the beauty of, of what they sh- shared with me is, is that, that God had opened up avenues of bridges of, of connecting to the community and that the communist leaders and the communist police and those were looking away and saying, hey, you're helping people go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. What an incredible testimony that even in the face of darkness, in the face of struggle, in the face of uncertainty, they were willing to serve other people. See, here's the big question, though. What am I? What are we going to do about it? I want to close with this thought. What if if we were a church? that the community could not live without? What if we were a church that the community could not live without? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for, again, just letting us be a part. You are so, so good. We give you praise. We thank you for what you're going to do in and through each one of our lives as we decide to play a part as we decide to be bridge builders that connect the community to Christ. God, you're good. We love you, and we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name.